Welcome to Revive Family, parenting in the 21st century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach, Jeff Schott. Today, we're going to tackle a pretty big topic, unlocking your child's potential. I immediately flash back to my mom and dad saying sometime when I was eight or nine years old, maybe younger, you can really be anything you want to be in America, and we'll help. Unlocking your child's potential. You do sessions on this at schools, right? Yes. Uh, Unlocking your child's potential is one of these things that really was an aha for me. You know, it wasn't something like your parents did with you, apparently, that my parents did with me. It was one of these things that, you know, I started with our own kids and then realized as I started doing the research um, with so many kids that our entire focus was basically on their behavior, not their potential. Mm -hmm. And it really began to challenge me to look at things very, very differently with my own kids. Mm -hmm. I think fairly early on, my parents kind of spelled out what their expectations were for me as a child, as a member of this family, as a student. So those expectations, of course, then related to a few rules and regulations like how much television you can watch, expectations on amount of reading you might do, uh, the friends you can hang out with, uh, all those things, I think, relate pretty nicely to potential. Well, what's been fascinating for me in doing all the research with kids and then doing a bunch of coaching with parents and adolescents around the country is that oftentimes, you know, as our kids get older, um, parents get really concerned about how much video game they're play they're doing or how much they're on social media. And what I found in that is that we get focused on what they're doing, not where they're going. And that's such a huge piece of this potential question. Because in the research, we found that these kids, when they knew where they were going, when they had their own vision, their own passion, their own direction, they played video games less they did social media less, they hid in their rooms less, they got into mess and escape behaviors less Mm -hmm. because they internally had a reason to go. And that's really where this whole thought of potential began to to percolate, I guess, in my brain because we've got to ask where does potential come from, I believe. It sounds to me like you're saying the child needs to be nurtured by the parents to look farther down the line. It's not just what you're accomplishing today or tomorrow, but let's look forward six months, a year, two years. Yeah, I think let's look forward 20 years, okay? And let's realize that our goal is to raise an adult, not to raise a child. And when we get focused on behavior, we get focused on today. We get focused on the immediate. We get focused on are they getting their homework done? Are they doing their chores? Are they doing this, doing that, playing this too much? And we lose sight that our real goal is out here when they leave our homes. Mm -hmm. How early do you start talking about long-range goals? (laughs) Um, You know, with our youngest, which is going to be our healthiest kid, because we've had three before him. And uh, we've done practice practice on the others. Well, and we've also done all this research and began to morph and change everything we were doing with our kids. Mm -hmm. And so our youngest, you know, frankly, we started having future conversations with him at age three, four, five. Mm 
mm-hmm. not future conversations about what he would do, but how you know he made decisions, how that would impact you know his relationships in the future, how it even impact you know marriage and things like that, and so he's thinking ahead and um, making decisions now at age nine that you know place him probably eight to ten years ahead of his contemporaries hmm. and his potential as a result is so much greater than you know maybe even heather our first but that's really guidance from mom and dad asking the really good questions the really thoughtful planning type questions correct it is it's it's that and it's really i think as a parent wrestling with what create where does potential come from does it come mm-hmm. from us does it come from our expectations does it come from their behavior or is potential something more inherent within is it one's personality abilities talents is it their passion you know one of the things that really struck me in a book i read recently which was the you know the un, it was basically the creative potential of Steve Jobs and why was he so amazing at creating these brand new products? Mm-hmm. And it's centered back around his passion and his vision. His passion was computers. His vision was to put an affordable computer in every home in America back when you had to build your own kit and they were incredibly expensive and there was no software to use them. And everybody told him he would fail, that it would never work. People didn't need them. And yet today we carry an iPhone in our pocket that's way more powerful than the first Apple IIe. Sure. And it was his passion and vision that did that. And so parents need to start drawing out what is their kid's passion and vision. And that does come through those questions. It does come through helping them begin to understand themselves as opposed to understand our expectations of them. Part of that is innate from birth. Part of that is and, – and oftentimes a parent can see something in one child that they haven't seen in another they love to read. They can't read enough books. They hear adults speaking, and all of a sudden you hear them using expressions that adults have used. Like I heard a story just a week ago about a three-year-old who likes the expression, that doesn't work for me, <laughs> which he's heard mom and dad use from time to time. Now that's a standard response from him. Rather than say no, he says, uh, that doesn't work for me. Right. And what's amazing is our kids can begin – so much younger than we believe to think, to process, to make their own decisions. And unfortunately, we create habits so early on as parents with babies that we get in the habit of making the decisions for them. And what we found in the research is that so many kids today, even as they exit the home towards college, are having a hard time making decisions because – They've been made by the parents. They've been made so many of them all the way through because we're fearful. We want to protect our kids. We want to keep Mm -hmm. them from making the same mistakes we made. So So that does speak to teaching the decision-making process and modeling a good decision-making process. It speaks also to asking questions as opposed to telling. Parents were really good, and I slip into it still, of – telling my kid the wisdom and telling them what's right and telling them what to do. But asking questions is how we teach them to think. Mm -hmm. We engage their brain and we ask them 
okay, talking to a father last week, and he's really worried about some of the decisions his son's making. And he went into this lecture mode with his son, and his son said at the end of the call, um, this is why I don't call you very often, Dad, because every time I do, I'm told all the things that I'm not doing right. I'm doing wrong. And, and, you know, I'm not thinking right. And, I'm, and so it's just really negative. So I don't want to get on the phone with you. Mm-hmm. The dad's on the phone with me saying, what do I do? I'm like, ask him questions. Does your, does your son want to make good decisions? Does he want to succeed? Does he want to do these things? Yes. Well, then ask him the questions. Sit down with that information that you want to share with him and then turn it into questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, how did you feel the first time you did this? How do you think this will cause other adults to view you? Um, you know, what, how do you want to be viewed by other people? And you can get your kid to start thinking and thinking through these things and then coming to the right decision without ever even telling them what to do or what to think. And now you're helping train their brain to process. So you're really teaching a technique of listening and asking good questions. It's more than listening and asking good questions. It's being strategic. It's playing chess. It's mm-hmm. sitting down and looking at what you think they need to know or consider in this situation, what you'd like to share from your wisdom, but then turning that wisdom into questions. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we've really ever practiced mm-hmm. in the art of our society or the art of parenting. But it's vital if we're going to tap the potential that's within our kids. Because they do have those gifts. They do have those talents. They do have that personality type. They're all different. And yet we want to apply this one type fits all parenting approach mm. to each of these kids. And it just isn't working. Mm-hmm. I mentioned expectations early in our discussion here. Isn't it healthy in a family relationship for parents to establish some expectations? Or is that also a discussion opportunity with the child to say, here's what we expect you to do, certain behaviors, certain processes you're involved in, but let's talk about it to get their buy-in. Well, you know, the reality is we, in the research and then in all the study of the Bible, I did a deep dive into what did Jesus expect of the disciples, and now it's built into our reboot content for youth groups that reboots the culture the, the within the student body of youth groups. And um, it was shocking what I found is Jesus had one expectation of the disciples, and it was love. It was love God and love one another, a new commandment I give you. And um, that just shocked me because, you know, I went on this dive looking for the expectations he had to have to leave them in charge of the church. In his last teaching time, he says, if you'll love me, you'll obey my commands. And if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. And I'm like all excited. This is going to be the list of expectations. And then it goes on and he basically says, basically, love one another. This is true love. One who will lay down his life for another, for a friend even. And then he repeats it again, love one another. And this was the one expectation, the one thing he left the disciples with before they were in charge of the church. And we found it to be the most powerful thing within the culture of our family as we moved away from this long list of expectations that the kids felt like they couldn't live up to, were always falling short, which was leading to confidence issues and self-doubt and negative self-talk within them. 
when we moved to love and started talking and asking questions about, okay, is this loving your mom? Is this loving your brother? You know, how do you, how would you feel in this situation? Put the shoe on the other foot and we began to focus on the heart and wow, our kids came to life. We began to see them become who I think God created them to be as opposed to who our expectations were shaping them into. You're listening to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. More in a moment. Going, going, gone is a reference to someone departing the faith. Now you see them, now you don't. Going, Going, Gone is a book by researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott that explores the reasons more than 2,000 kids told him their faith was waning. You may not be aware that 70% of the kids raised in the church leave the faith. If you have an 8-year-old, a middle schooler, or a teen, this book is a must-read. Buy the book Going, Going, Gone at revivefamily.com slash radio. That's revivefamily.com slash radio. Welcome back to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We're on the topic of unlocking your child's potential. I'm really curious. I haven't had the opportunity to attend a session you do at a school, but could you describe what that's like? Parents arrive. Are there kids there too? Or is it strictly parents at a session on unlocking potential? We typically have the parents in one thing called unlocking potential, and then we have kids in something totally different called It's Your Life. Uh, And they are parallel in many ways. But they're designed to allow kids to develop their own vision, their own passion, their own direction, because we've found amazing things happen when that occurs. That's when their potential just ignites, and we're helping parents understand that there's been a huge redefinition of childhood in our country over the last couple hundred years. And that redefinition has caused us to view our kids as children up into 18, 20, 21, and that it is really limiting their potential. So unlocking your child's potential pairs with it's your life, one's for the students, one for the parents. And boy, when they get done together, um, it's amazing what can happen. So you do two individual sessions and then bring them together? We don't actually – we haven't had the opportunity to bring them together yet. We haven't been able to engineer that because schools obviously have a very structured day with their kids. So we mm-hmm. can fit It's Your Life into a health class or a, you know, one of those enrichment class programs that they have throughout the day. And then the parents obviously need to come on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. And, and obviously, you know, adolescents don't like getting up on Saturday morning. So it's better to get them in school. <laughs> <laughs> so can people go to revivefamily.com and learn more on this very topic? I think there's a ton of resources that are um, on the site and in development right now. And Unlocking Your Child's Potential is one of the ones that's in development. Uh, And then It's Your Life is also in development. So they'll be coming in the next number of months. I'm not sure exactly when at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, We're focused more on the influential parenting process to start. And then helping parents then take that to different levels with these other elements. We've got to get the building blocks in place before we add on the additional components. I'm thinking of a couple of uh, men about my age and thinking of conversations we had about raising kids, maybe when we were in our 30s and 40s. And uh, as a listener to this discussion, even though I'm part of it, I'm asking Jeff, when do I start? At what age? What age do I, I 
sit down with that son or daughter and begin asking those questions uh, that will tap into that potential. What vision they have, what mission they'll be on in their life. Do I start at seven? Do I start at 11? Uh, it varies, I'm sure. Well, I think, you know, I think it starts really young, but it's not about vision for their future and what they're going to do with a career at that point. It's what you're good at and helping them understand themselves, helping them understand their strengths and weaknesses, and then helping them address their weaknesses. Because when we address their weaknesses as opposed to just uh, focusing on their strengths, we're actually increasing their potential. And that's one of the things I found. Someone did this for me, and it was really a wonderful thing. I took one of those personality profiles, and as opposed to charting it on a on a straight graph, they've charted it in a circle. And then you put a chain on your different points to make this really ugly pointed shape that that they then said, you know, what made Jesus so attractive was that he was perfectly round. He represented all of these personality types perfectly, and it's why he could relate to and connect with and have everybody want to follow him. And they challenged me not to just live in my strengths, but to pray and to work on my weaknesses to become more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And it's been the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm an internal introvert, but no one that meets me today no one would ever know that. Would right. never know that. No. Why? Because yeah. I didn't just live in my strengths. I went after my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And parents tend to go after weaknesses by telling and requiring and maybe even punishing mm-hmm. their kids. You need a tutor in math. And the reality <laughs> is we've found that those things – cause them to believe more negative things about themselves, which reduces their potential. They get weighed down. Mm-hmm. They lose confidence. They develop negative core values that weigh on them and cause them not to step out, not to take risks, not to try when we go that route with the traditional parenting paradigm. Whereas if we begin to ask questions and help them look at the situation they got themselves in, ask them how they got there, whether they like being there. I found they don't ever like being there. They don't like failure. We don't need to come down on them. We need to help them process how they got Mm -hmm. there and how they would do it differently next time. And we do that by having a great relationship that isn't founded based upon their behavior, but it's founded on their potential and our love for them and our care and concern for them. Like Jesus had care and concern for the woman at the well or the prostitute. Um, who, you know, was going to be stoned. And he stepped between the people who are going to stone her and the prostitute and defended her. He didn't come down on her. And I think he changed her life that day. Mm-hmm. Well, he led with love in every situation. And I would think that would turn many families upside down because my sense, based upon the way I lived my life as a parent, uh, working now as a grandparent, what I've observed in others... It, I think it's sort of twofold. Number one, you're so busy as a parent that you want to give the answers right now and not help the child work through it by asking good probing questions and having a nice discussion. And the other is you seem to think that if I'm stern and I lay it on the line, they'll get it quicker than if I lead with love and caring and gentleness and understanding. And we found it absolutely to be the opposite with our four kids yeah. and all the families that we have helped transform the culture of the family. Um, it's been amazing. I think you know one of the main things in all of this is the belief in our kid. What's been it's shot- transforming? Sorry to interrupt, but it's really transforming a, a core style of a family. 
Right. right? Leading with love. Leading with love is definitely transforming. Um, having just the expectation of love is um, almost mind-blowing to parents when they first think about it. It's like, that can't work. But right. if you think about it, you know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, if you love your neighbor, um, will you steal from them? If you love your wife, will you commit adultery? If your kids love you because you're easy to love, will they honor you? Um, bottom line, the answer to all those questions is yes. And so much of the focus in our world today is on the mind and changing thoughts and self-discipline and accountability. And I found all those things to fail in my life. Um, I wish they worked. But the reality is what changed and what changed so many of my behaviors and made me a better husband and a better dad was when I turned and faced the demons within at a heart level and began to go after the root. And all of a sudden, things began to transform inside. And I felt differently. I didn't feel negative about myself anymore. I wasn't beating myself up constantly. I wasn't and all of a sudden, all of these other things that were going on out here in my behavior that drove my wife nuts and my kids nuts just began to change. And we found the same to be true with our kids. Hmm. And that's why believing in our kids is so important. And never expressing a lack of belief or a lack of confidence that they can make something happen. You're there to nurture. As you use the expression, walk along beside, be a coach, be a mentor. Uh, I resonate with that, and I had never heard that until we did our first show, I think. Right. And this thought of coming alongside your kid as opposed to being in charge of your kid. <laughs> right. It's a foreign thought. It was very foreign for me as we started trying to figure out how to parent differently, how to lead like Jesus. And, you know, this focus on believing in your kid is so important because when when our belief and trust in them breaks down, they are hurt, uh, and they can't really earn our trust and belief because they are going to continue to make mistakes. They're kids. They're going to continue to fail. Heck, we do as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so this whole thought process of, you know, you're going to have to earn my trust. You've got to prove to me I can believe in you again is really fatal to the parent-child relationship in every coaching situation I'm in right now with families across the country. And when parents begin to flip that switch and believe in their kid and believe their kid wants to make good decisions and will make good decisions, it's amazing what happens all of a sudden they begin to. And that's where their potential kicks in because when they are making decisions and they're making good decisions and they know they're making good decisions and they feel empowered and believed in and trusted – they rise up on wings of eagles. They mm -hmm. soar. And they go from this posture of the shoulders down and the head down and hiding in their rooms, staying away from the parents' expectations that are causing them to feel like they're falling short all the time, mm -hmm. to being out and talking to their parents and asking questions of their parents and getting their parents' insights because their parents have been asking questions of them as opposed to trying to tell them what to do all the time. And that asking questions helps internalize those goals, the mission, the vision, right? Yeah. The probing. I think, you know, when we think about um, one of the kids I'm working with right now, I'm on the phone with her last night, and, you know, eight months ago she was suicidal. Eight months ago she was on depre in depression. She was cutting. She was sexting. She was sending nudes to 50 guys uh, out of a good Christian home. Okay, 
But when our parents began to change and, I, and we got in and dealt with the heart issues, the muck in the bottom of the pond, the things she hadn't processed healthfully growing up as a kid, all of a sudden she rose up and she started doing better and making great decisions. The parents were shocked. They started to believe in and trust her and empower her and she rose to the occasion. But last night on the phone, you know what she said to me? She goes, now that I've got all of that out of the way and my parents' expectations are gone, I realize I don't know who I am and what I want to do. And I'm like, this is perfect. Now we're finally into the coaching. We've dealt with the counseling piece. Now we're really moving into the coaching piece of, okay, it's time to do Strength Finders 2.0. It's time to look at your strengths and how they tie to potential careers. You're finally at the point where all of that's flushed out and you're actually asking the questions I think every kid in America should be asking, but they can't ask it when they're just running around trying to keep their parents happy and feeling like they're falling short. They're mm -hmm. scrambling, they're struggling, and then they're escaping from their parents, hiding in their room, social media, video games, their friends, everything else, because they're not feeling supported, believed in, trusted, loved, cared for, understood in their homes. Mm -hmm. And it was so much fun talking to her last night about, okay, now we can move forwards into... We can take, take giant steps forward from yeah. this point. I mean, she was 14 when we started. She's turned 15, and she's now asking all the right questions. And her potential now, from where she was to now, night and day. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Scheidt. We'll return next week with another program designed to help you become a wiser, better parent. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed health care professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.